Well, hello, hello, my positive power ladies, and welcome to 2021. Hoochie mama. I am sending you guys so much love and pure joy, prosperity, and fun. That's what I got for you. I think that's pretty damn good, right? Sending it tons of energy your way. I am so excited for this to be a awesome year. And I am so looking forward to hugging and kissing a lot of you. But in the meantime, I am beyond grateful for all your support in 2020. Thank you so much. My peeps, my tribe, my community, I feel like all the women that I've been connecting with, whether it's a webinar, a Zoom, a party virtually, social media, so supportive, so supportive. It was beyond what I ever thought it could be. That's for sure. I'm taking a deep breath in and I'm laughing and smiling and cracking up and in awe of this young lady that you're going to hear coming up. I wish I could have her on again. I'm sure I can. We had to cut it short because she actually, I thought it was the coolest thing. She's like, oh my goodness, I thought it was only going to be this amount of time. I got a call from my agent. I got to (laughs) go. She had a gig. It was so cool. I hope she got it. I think she did get it. It was the greatest thing. But anyhow, Rivka, just an incredible woman. I love her journey. I love her story. So many facets and so many ways that she puts positive energy in the world and gives back. I met her through the Florence Belsky Charitable Foundation that I'm an advisor for. And we got to give a big shout out to Dan Snyder, who is a good friend of mine. Dan is the executive director and trustee. And Rivka is the associate director for Flowbow. We call it Flowbow. Such a great organization and all they do. And I was reading their mission, connecting people, sharing ideas, empowering each generation to teach others. And boy, does it do that. They really, really put themselves out there to connect people, to help one another and you know, support one another and build each other's businesses and learn from one another. I can't say enough about that. And I thought Rivka was doing such an amazing job. And every time she came on, she was so supportive of everyone and doing a great job to bring us new things and organize us. It was just amazing. Matter of fact, for the holiday party, I don't know if you ever did this, but we did the gathering site. So cool, so fun. You're a little avatar. I don't know if you, you have to try this. And then you, when you walk up close to somebody, your picture pops up and they can hear you. <laughs> it's like going to a bar, like, hey, you come here often? Or you could have private conversations or go into a big room around the table. Like everyone was gathering in the kitchen and chatting with one another. It was just the coolest thing. And shout out for her for doing that because A lot of people are just learning how to do all the other technical stuff and now to bring this in it, but it was worth it and so much fun. I can't wait for you to hear this. Here's lots and lots and lots of blessings coming your way. And don't forget, guys, support me on Patreon. I would love that. There's so many programs for the new year and discounts and check out 
my other podcast, Let's Keep It Real, where I highlight men and women from around the world. And I also have my live thing Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Instagram. Hey, I got something to say. But for now, my positive power, ladies, enjoy. Welcome to Positive Power Lady. Listen in as your host, Sandy Joy Weston, takes on the hottest topics, explores how to deal with them in a positive, bold way, and chats with some amazing power ladies out in the world. Well, I have to admit, my power ladies, you ever like think you know someone really well and then you're like, what? I had no idea. Well, I've known this young lady for a while, but man, Rivka Riviera, hoochie mama, I can't wait to read what this young lady's been up to and for you to meet her. So let me tell you about her. She is an award-winning actor, writer, and producer. A Brooklyn native, Rivka became serious about her craft after attending, ooh, LaGuardia High School of the Performing Arts. Fame, ooh, I gotta hear stories about that. She went on to earn her BFA in theater from Carnegie Mellon University. Oh boy, that must have been fun too. (laughs) That's crazy. As an actress, Rivka can be seen in films like Firelight. I think I've heard of that on ABC Hallmark opposite Cuba Gooding Jr. and sci-fi cult favorite The Circle on Netflix. Love my Netflix. Most recently, she will be starring in the web comedy Abandon All Hope, which she produced as well. Woo! Currently, Rivka is preparing to make her directorial debut with a film called <laughs> Are You Okay? Because I'm okay. What? Based on a mushroom trip she took with her mother. Oh, we got so much to go over. Rivka has also spent the past four years co-developing and facilitating a project called To Protect, Serve, and Understand, which brings NYPD officers and civilians together to improvise, make theater, and have difficult conversations. Boy, do we need that. She has a primary intention, by the way, and all the work she does is to inspire creative inquiry and to shed light on the complex human experience. I don't know which direction to go first, Enrica. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so, first of all, I'm so grateful to be on this podcast. I'm a fan, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, I had no idea. You're so, what can I say? I think, you know, some, some people you meet and they tell you everything you do. You seem so humble about all you're doing. And then you told me right before the show, you were like, wait a minute, I do all that? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say humility or, or just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Humble, humble. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very humble and probably very grateful for all you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. So what's the word, Rivka? I have to ask you the word. If you were going to say one word that best describes your past 30 days, what would it be? I love this question. Um, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be joy, love. It could be. Love. Well, I'm going to say awareness. Aw- I think okay. Awareness. Um, yeah, awareness. And I'll and I'll say awareness. It's 
probably more than my past 30 days. I think it's probably been the past nine months. Okay. In a heap of awareness with everything that's happened um, with the pandemic, with our shift in consciousness. I just feel like I've been, there's been this massive shift in consciousness with everything that's been happening. And uh, I guess I say awareness spiritually, physically, globally, you know, a, a grander yeah. awareness of how truly connected we all are and how much our actions affect one another. My actions could affect someone I never even meet. I think the pandemic brought that into light. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm really moved by moved by that. So were you always someone that is looking to do more in self-discovery for yourself, like looking to grow, seeking knowledge, even before the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, when you said that, the first image that, that popped into my mind was myself as a child in Barnes & Noble, like the self-help <laughs> the self-help aisle. Like, I've always been drawn to that. Really? Um, I think so. You know, I think, and maybe that's part of also the 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 actor, artist part of me. I think part of that is just always a deep curiosity for the human experience and human desire, human need. Yeah. So there's part of that, you know, I think there's a deep part of that, that naturally you're curious about human development. Yeah. Uh, people always tease me that I must have so much to work on or they joke around, how screwed up are you? Because I'm always looking for the next workshop, the next new book, and I love it. And but although, Rivka, sometimes I do want to trade places with people that look at me and go, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm good. I'm happy with the way I am. And I'm not saying I'm not happy with the way I am, but I'm always looking for more, you know, and to learn more. Yeah. Well, I'll share with you actually something that, that recently blew my mind um, because I wish, I'm, I realize now I think self-improvement is the wrong word for me, although it, it encompasses a lot of these, these things that I'm drawn towards. But even the idea of self-help, because I feel like inherently it almost suggests that there's something wrong. Ah, oh, good point. You know, and I actually learned recently I was taking, I was part of an anti-capitalism study group. And we learned that, which I had never known, that originally the lineage of the word improvement is to make profit from. Okay, I did not know that. And I can cite that. I, I, I'll, I'll send you the, the place where that, that came from. But I mean, but it kind of came back to this idea of where, where capitalism started and, and making profit off of the land. That actually the land is sort of worthless until you came along and made something of it. And then you could charge for it. But really this idea that I think at least has become um, part of what I'm learning is that the land already is abundant in itself. And so yeah. if we're thinking of ourselves as a mirror to that land, like we are already so abundant and born with everything we need that a lot of this work, and I think that we're drawn to, is just a, a an awakening to that. Okay. So what word would you use then instead? Because I think it should be relabeled. You're right, because I don't think I need a lot of help. I just like seeking knowledge and growth. Mm -hmm. So what word could we use instead of self-help? Maybe, I mean, I guess it goes, I like awareness. Awareness? Okay. Um, celebration. <laughs> I'm celebrating myself. I like that. I know you, yeah. And I feel like that's so your energy is celebratory and joyful, which is fantastic. Yeah. But I guess that the awareness piece of just there's something that um, 
the non-judgmental, I don't know. I, yeah, I love yeah, that, you yeah. know, that before any action, it can lead, I feel like awareness can lead to so many places. It can lead to gratitude. It can lead to an act of love. It can lead to anger. It can lead to an action that must be taken. But before any of that, at least what I, what I'm starting, have been discovering in this journey of mine is I need to go to that place of awareness first because otherwise yes. I'm just reacting, you know, and I, and yes. I go to that place of curiosity, like genuine, non-judgmental, like, let me look at this thing. Huh. You know, when I'm in that yeah. place of like, oh, yeah. I tend to, it tends to be the most excited, cre- creatively, certainly. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm just going to have to reverse gears here anti-capitalist group or workshop talk to me i want to know a little bit more about that yeah i took this it was uh led by a friend of mine an actor who's been running these with artists it's an anti-capitalist study group study group for uh, for artists and so he um put together i mean pretty amazingly it was he's been doing it over and over now i think he's got uh, his fourth cohort going and i can put um put where you can sign up if anyone is interested in that. But um, yeah, really, I think coming out of these movements we're in and, and a lot of people are looking, especially as artists, as different alternative paths towards seeing how, you know, late capitalism and like how, especially as artists in this gig economy, these this is not working for us. And yeah. what are different alternative pathways for more uh, equitable share of what is for all of us? Ooh, I love that. So what is the biggest takeaway you've gotten so far, do you think? I think, um, well, one big takeaway was this idea that, like, I think often people say, well, but we can't. There's so much no energy when you talk about alternatives. You know, even when you say, well, I don't know if capitalism doesn't seem to be working. Can we look at an alternative? And there's so much of this, well, this is how it is as opposed to recognizing that we're actually already living in the imagination of someone else. Like, these are structures that were imagined and then acted upon and created. And therefore, I think along with, uh, I also have been volunteering with the Sunrise Movement, and what they opened my eyes to was this idea, the power, they really work a lot with power of storytelling and, like, the Green New Deal. You know, when you hear the story of the Green New Deal, it's an imagined future that is totally... It's not happening right now, but there are steps that we can move towards. But the power, which you'll appreciate, like I understood this for myself as an individual, the power of intention and visualization. And, you know, but I never put those pieces together of like, oh, globally, politically, like the world I want to live in, I am not seeing, you know, and there's that awareness piece. I think a lot of what this pandemic period of time um, the the movements have, that have been out there but that were sparked even more after George Floyd's murder was that, oh, we can actually imagine. I You know, I guess the yes. biggest piece was I don't want to be told, no, we're already living in someone else's imagined state. Let's imagine a new, better, Correct. more beautiful, inclusive one. Uh, I agree. I just went to a workshop and they made us, not made, they suggested <laughs> <laughs> that make us, <laughs> I wanted to do it, they it's all on focus and mm. vision and what you want to put out in the world and how you want to show up in the mm. world and creation. But the first thing to create is you have to imagine it. And so what they did to get a lot of people out of the state of, I can't believe you were just talking about it. No, 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 no. Mm. 
was they had people, which I, it was so fun. You had to write down, and I suggest people do a hundred things that you can imagine that you would love to do. It doesn't matter. It could be a state of being. It could be emotions. It could be things you want. It, and, and you just had to go crazy. You could say, I want to be a professional gymnast. It didn't, <laughs> it wasn't about you have to go now and make these things happen. They just wanted you to get into that brain of being able to imagine because, and then from that hundred, they, the next week they came back and said, okay, now pick your top three. You, you know what I mean? And then keep pulling it down. And mm. the name of the course, you're thinking, wait a minute, what did I get myself into? It sounds so airy fairy, but it's not, you know, it, it has nothing to do with that. It was, it's called the power of vision. Mm. And, and I love that. And it sounds like stuff that you're doing, like that you keep hearing all day long. No, no, no. I can't, I'm sure you hear it all the time too, mm-hmm. about people saying, do you know how popular podcasts are? Do you know how, I, 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 mm-hmm. that's been the story of my life. Do you know how many this is? And all I hear is, uh-huh. And I like zone them out. But I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people are able to do that. You know, you, you just hear it over and over again. So right. I and love I think that. that's where that awareness piece is so helpful because we can so matter-of-factly go into, this person said it, that must be true. Yes. Yes. Instead of investigating that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. All right. We got to take a little turn. I have so many questions written down <laughs> here by guests, Yay. by the way. Before you come on, I have, you know, my listeners write down a million so questions cool. for you. So there's a many of them. But we're going to start back at the beginning. Okay. And when's the first time you knew, hmm, mm. I want to be on stage, baby. You know, that's, I I mean, I I know the pictures of me on stage. There's a picture of me dressed as a little duckling in, like, a dance, some sort of, like, dance thing in Brooklyn. I'm probably, like, four. And I know that, like, I knew, look, I look at that picture and I'm like, she knew. And then (laughs) (laughs) my first role, my first, I guess, professional off-Broadway role, I was mm, 10, maybe? I was still in elementary school, okay. um, and I played Shlomo, the rabbi's nephew in Fiddler on the Roof, at um, the Gallery Players, and I just remembered that experience because it was, you know, I was a kid in this professional production, and just I knew, you know, it was just a coming home. It was like a uh, my uh, my higher. I was just remember being like I I didn't grow up with any. I'd say my parents are spiritual, but definitely not religious, so I never experienced. Um, going to church or synagogue or anything like that mm-hmm. other than for you know we did the christmas hanukkah anything with presents i was like i am there <laughs> <laughs> of course celebrate gifts so i would say that was the first time i had like a spiritual experience it was just where i was just like oh purpose is calling me and it was from that that point on from shlomo on i just sort yeah. of like was driven by that once you know you know yeah yeah, and and I I like that you called it like it was a spiritual divine intervention, but it's that oh, wow I'm at home here now. I don't know about you. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? If not on stage, I believe I'm an. I think I'm an introvert. Um, I'm a mix. I guess. Mix, yeah, I guess, I'm sure everybody, but a lot of people that love and feel comfortable on stage tell me not that they're predominantly, but they said, Sandy, I really, if you got to know me, I'm not 
the gregarious one at the party unless I'm on stage. Yes, I would say that's true for myself. I'd be curious to hear what other people think, but (laughs) I think that's true. Do you like to have a lot of alone time, quiet time? Yes. Although, yes, I do. I do. Um, I'll say my, I'll briefly put in uh, just a quick story. So when I graduated Carnegie Mellon, I, being from New York, I remember all my friends were moving back to New York, you know, or moving to New York for the first time. And I was certain I'd be here. And I just saw everyone was so excited to be in New York. And I was just, I didn't, I said, what is everyone so freaking excited about? Like, it was my hometown. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I learned how to drive because, of course, being a New Yorker, you don't know how to drive. I learned how to drive. A, a wonderful man named Angel taught me how to drive. He said, as long as you can sing um, a song while driving, you're fine and you're not nervous. Apparently, that wasn't true because I failed my first test immediately <laughs> when they were like, do you understand what those two lines in the road are? And I'm like, absolutely not. So apparently you did have to take, I'll learn a little more. So then I, I took another fast class and I got my, I got my license like the day before I left. So I'm driving in LA and I'm learning all that. I had an amazing experience in LA, but I guess my point here is that it was the first time I, you know, as a New Yorker, we're constantly in contact with strangers. Mm, That's true. True. You know, constantly. I mean, we see strangers all the time like that is just what I grew that is what I knew like being you know you're on a subway you're being touched I mean I gotta tell you I went to get myself for a teaching gig I had to get fingerprinted the other day and while I was really really nervous about like everyone's mask protocol inside this DOE building and they were doing a great job of following it oh good for the most part um (laughs) but this guy had to come and grab my finger because the fingerprint thing wasn't working Oh. And while I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, we were still six feet apart. I was pulling away. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> to be my finger, to be touched by a stranger. Just I feel like that is the New Yorker in me. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And in L.A., it was the first time where I'm like in a car sitting in traffic for hours. I, of course. Like, I've never had that much space with myself. And it was profound. Mm. And it really set off, you know, I thought I was going to LA for one thing and it was really like, it felt like a real spiritual journey began there with getting to know myself in a way that just, I don't know, there was something about that space that that city allowed for me to hear myself and get to know myself and do a lot of healing. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because... I think it can go either way. Like you grew up in New York, so you have a whole different feel for it. I know people that say when they're in New York, they're introverts, beyond introverts. Mm. They like it there because no one picks them out of the crowd. They can get Mm. lost in the crowd versus a small town getting all that attention. This one gal was saying she hated it. Like she went to visit her friend. She's like, oh my God, everybody knows everybody. And in New York, she could get lost in the crowd. I mean, you know, doesn't that make sense? Like you don't you don't yeah. know people's names. And now, oh my God, everyone's like Sally, Sally, Sally. She's like, I don't want to be Sally. Everybody wants to meet you. <laughs> she's like, I didn't know I was an introvert until then. <laughs> like, but it yeah. also could be what she's used to, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I'm lucky that where I live now is my the building I grew up in is in my childhood. So like, it does feel there are still people in this neighborhood that I've known for, you know, there are certain people in this neighborhood that are like, 
neighbors. Like we got each other's backs. Neighbors. Really? And you see people. Yeah, it's very. And you see people coming, coming and going. I think it's like a you have to be there for like over ten years kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like people I grew up with, yeah, certainly, and that you know this na- you know you've seen all the changes in this neighborhood, and there have been so many changes. I'm in Cobble Hill. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I guess I do have that, you know, and I don't know, maybe because I did grow up here, I bump into people all the time on yeah. days where I'm like, I don't want, I'm like, oh my God, from yeah. middle school, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's not how I envision New York, but you're in Brooklyn, right? So that's a bit different than Manhattan. Yeah. yeah but it'll happen in Manhattan too. I just think it's like, depending on how many years and how the universe wants to mess with you on a particular day. <laughs> oh, that's you're right. That's true. I go go up for Philly before this all the time, and I would run into somebody that I knew from Philly in New York City. So you never know. All right, Fame, talk to me. I mean, I don't know if you know this. I was a dance major, so anything you can tell me about the performing arts school, I want to hear it. Was it awesome? Was it eh? like it tell was, me everything? It was one of the best experience. I mean, it was incredible. And, I, and, you know, I don't know that I knew. I knew it was incredible while I was going there, but you don't. You're just like, oh, this is this is high school. This is life. It wasn't until, you know, leaving. And as the years go on, I'm still like, wow, I was so blessed. I'm still uh, really close to one of my acting professors from there who totally changed my life. He was just an incredible artist and just nurtured, like, what he did for the students there nurturing the creative spirit there um and to be I mean okay so that's like fame is like you have kids coming from Coney Island from the Bronx from Queens from Staten Island from all over and that in itself is such a blessing that you don't realize you know because people like oh New York you're like no 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 our boroughs are so diverse yeah that to to be having that experience um with all these different people creating together um was the best education in the world. And, you know, I spent half my day doing what I, again, what I was like, this is my purpose. I was very serious. I took it very seriously. Yes. I think it was the most serious actress I've ever been in some ways in high school. Do you know how many kids cannot say that? Do you know how many, I feel so bad. They're so bored. They hate it. And they're just, it's just an ends <laughs> to a mean. Isn't that sad? I was so serious. I remember once I had a scene partner and she kept going on her phone and so I was like, told my acting teacher, he's like, well, fire her. And so I went up to this girl. <laughs> Revka. <laughs> and I was like, you're fired. Oh, my God. And, but funny. I tell that story because I'm like, there's parts of me sometimes I'm like, ooh, let's find, you know, I have to pull that chutzpah out sometimes because that was <laughs> a, really, a really good thing that I think you get taught against as a woman getting older in the world. Yes, and yes. And I loved that. You yes. Know, yes. That was like, oh no, I'm going to put this art in this scene first over wanting to be liked. And you know what? I think every day we battle that, you know, no matter what age you are. And if you can get that early on, how lucky were you? How fortunate? I love the way you called it chutzpah. And every day I'm like reminding my son, you know, speak up for yourself, advocate for yourself, stand up for yourself. It's not, you know, being pushy. It's how you deliver the message, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, and again, not worrying about being liked is different than I think not worrying about being kind. Yes. You know, I think there's a fine True. line people can think, oh, then I'm just going to go for what I want. And I had to learn that too. You know, that like, no, kindness comes before, I think kindness comes yes. before all of it. I'm not saying that I 
I'm not a saint. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to say that that's the case always. It's very hard when you're when you have a, an art piece or something that's like your child that you're trying to protect. But kindness comes first. Yes. Wanting someone yeah. to like you, you can't. You can be super kind to someone and they may not like you. You know. Absolutely. I was just doing a podcast earlier and one of the kids wrote in because I'm doing you know a piece on a kid show. And she said, can you please ask the therapist how I can get all my class to like me? And I mm. was like so sad because, and she's seven. It's hard, right? Because yeah, you do want to be liked, but you don't want that to be the driving force. And I don't know how you get that across to a seven-year-old. That's not my specialty, Rivka. Mm. Do you have any words of wisdom for her? Mm, that is, I think that just awareness, you know, as much as one can be aware of this too shall pass. Yes. It's all going to pass, and she's going to grow up to be, incre- you know, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. all I can say. And it'll pass. Yeah. It passes every moment. Yeah, but that's I know true. It, those feelings feel like they will last for, I mean, forever. Yeah. And you know what? The more, though, we tell, you know, and remind children that no matter what you do, even being kind, compassion, empathetic, it that doesn't mean they're going to like you. And that's okay. Cause maybe you don't mm-hmm. like them. That doesn't mean you're mean to them. You just may not want to hang out together. So I'm sure you had your posse in high school, right? Didn't you have your crew that you loved hanging out with? I did. I had, yeah, I had my crew. I think I felt like I fell in love for the first time in high school. Really? So boyfriend. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So I had a boyfriend. I had like, but I really, but I, what I remember, yeah, I remember the most of it. It was also just like when you're doing that's the other thing when you're doing art and you're exploring these ideas together in these plays I mean it really allows for a certain kind of I think emotional maturity and intimacy that we were really that not only that I think education necessitates which is why the arts are so integral and so important for for every school or any kind of education yeah I agree it is it is all about your emotions and how you're connecting and how you're creating empathy and compassion through storytelling. So that really allowed for a lot of a really deep connections with with some of my friends. Yeah. All right. So you said you were less serious than in college at Carnegie Mellon <laughs> University. I mean, I don't know. You know, did you fire well, anybody? Car- <laughs> Carnegie Mellon was. Don't get me wrong. That was a, ser- a very serious place, but also very fun. But no, there was. But I think because I came in having gone through what was a pretty rigorous for high school, certainly, and I made it quite rigorous for myself. Yeah. Um, uh, Carnegie Mellon was another, I mean, but then, you know, you're also getting older and dealing with, with a whole other slew of things. Like, what does that mean? And my educate, I mean, my teachers there were incredible. Um, the education was incredible, but the kids, I mean, the caliber of students they bring together, that's really your ensemble, you know, it. what I was saying before on a next level of like, okay, all these kids have worked so hard to get into this program and it's so selective and so now you're there with the best of the best and you're just teaching each other i mean that was what's so incredible about about yeah some of my favorite actors you know just being like oh god i want to just act with you forever like yeah yeah that must be so cool so cool all right i gotta ask here we are i'm looking at all these fun titles a web (laughs) comedy abandon all hope do tell do tell what yeah, is it about? And we're going to have to check so, that out for sure. So uh, my partner is the writer-director, and I 
produce this. And so it's sort of our little art child. Um, and we have an amazing cast. And uh, I just think it's it, it's a... So it's a mockumentary about a theater company that's getting filmed for a documentary that eventually may lead to the alleged murder of a theater critic. Okay. <laughs> but it's really, it's in the vein of, so we say sort of like uh, Birdman meets The Office, very Christopher Guest. And I play a character at Rosa Blunt's who is an Instagram celebrity who gets into this theater company. And so... Oh. It's it's quite it's quite fun. It's it's um and we're actually dropping uh we've been sort of getting ready to drop the first four episodes, which I think we're doing next week. So Ooh, all I right. will send you the link for that. We're on YouTube, Abandon All Hope. Um, okay. And we have yeah, we have just an amazing cast of actors. Uh Jamie Newman, who is in the Deuce and she was just in Lovecraft Country. We have uh Ashley Jordan who's in, she was in Orange is the New Black, Ned Van Zandt, Jerry McIntosh, like we just, all these amazing actors and everyone's just doing their thing and it's a lot of fun. And my part, and my partner's name, I said my partner, Tommy Buck, he's the writer, creator. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you didn't say that part, <laughs> so we got that in. I did, I was like, my part, I'm like, right, he has an identity. <laughs> all right, but it's all, is it all done virtual? No, so we shot this, um, we shot this book pre-pandemic. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know it's people are really getting creative figuring out how to put things together virtually. Absolutely. I mean, we have some episode ideas for for that as well. But we were really lucky. We actually shot it at Irondale, which is the theater company, my theater company, not mine, but I'm a, a member of and yes. a grateful ensemble member and do a lot of work at. And it's a gorgeous space in Fort Greene. So... We were lucky to shoot there. Yeah. Okay. Are you okay? Because I'm okay. I don't know about <laughs> you. I need I need to have, like, intimate steps here. Like, I need to right. really go pee. This is not mm-hmm. something we're rushing through because I love this. Mm-hmm. All right. So for, <laughs> for your audience, so this is Are You Okay Because I'm Okay um, is a film. It's a short – I call it sort of a docufiction – because it really is a mix between documentary and improvised acting starring myself and my mother as ourselves based on a mushroom trip that we took together on the Jersey Shore. Oh my goodness. So oh, I love that, you more. That story. <laughs> <laughs> so that story, and you'll appreciate it because I do think it goes, it's sort of, it does, oh look, there is a little bit of a theme with this. It's all about this introspection and using art to investigate um, <laughs> and also what the, you know, I think in the seeking quest, uh, what psychedelics can do for one. And, um, and it was also, I was turning, it was, I was 29. I was going to be 30. Okay. And my mom was going to be 60. And I had this, I think it was this feeling of, I, I love that the piece was sort of born out of a really, not impetuous, but. Not sure the exact word, but, uh, and not anxious, but needy. Like, I, I want to get something done. Just yes. feeling like I, I have this idea and I just want to get it done and being like, well, why don't we just do it? And then I'll have the story from there. So I convinced my mom because I wanted to film it. Yes. Right? So it was really born out of that desire to, to produce something. Okay, well, let's go on, let's, will you do mushrooms with me and I'm going to film the trip and then I'll do this script based off of that. 
And so moms, I mean, you two must have a really cool relationship. Yes, we do. So yeah, so the history there is um, uh, my parents separated when I was younger. So I grew up, um, but you know, doing the two houses situation. So I was, and I'm an only child. Okay. Oh, so okay. yeah, so me and my mom, you know, the two of us super close. It's almost like sisters. Also totally understand. Also, yep. you know, that very, very tight also had a lot of healing to do, you know, from with each other that that LA was really helpful with. And so we did a lot of that. And when I moved back, and I was able to be really close with her, it felt like it was a safe, and also could be a potentially beautiful. And I think for me at that space and my like creative ambitions, I was like, there could be something here, you know, so I will say what I've explored since is what was that impetuous need to like create something and how that can sometimes be harmful to those we love yes right we talked about putting uh kindness sometimes after the drive and playing with that so that was something I looked back on but I filmed that trip that we had together and it was um an incredible experience it wasn't you can't really prepare yourself to do (laughs) no (laughs) drugs with your mom although I think I was a little arrogant in thinking that I could and maybe part of it was just like well I want to make this thing um and so that's what the film then then we really spent uh a year in between processing what that was and what was the story of that and what was that experience getting ready to go back to the same location and use the same clothes and the same props to sort of replicate the, the footage that we'd gotten. Yeah. How long and was the trip? The actual trip? Yeah. The actual trip was um, probably six or seven hours. Oh, oh no, and you meant the mushroom trip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's why I was like, which trip? Okay, okay, I got it. So the mushroom trip was actually okay. Now I understand. Oh my <laughs> god, I, I, it, this has got to be up now. The, it, the way it's like, this is so intriguing and exciting. Uh, we got to watch this. When is it going up, Rivka? Yeah. So I just, I'm really. So it's actually that was a little while ago, and so we went back and shot, and then we had all this footage, and so, you know, I was sort of like, all of my ambition caught all of my, I guess. Uh, I'll just say impetuous for now, caught up to me of like, okay, I got the footage, I got the improvised footage, and now I have to put it together and really investigate what this story is. So that took a lot. All the writing was really done in the editing and in the post-production. And I also had this feeling, so actually we went back this past summer and shot a little bit more because I always, as I was investigating it, I realized part of the experience of that was so profound about the trip and what this really was for us. I mean, while it's about the the psychedelics, it's not about the psychedelics. That's just a way for us to explore uh, themes of life and death. Like, yes, what yes. is it to really confront the fact that when you are so close to the person who gave you life, the potential of the inevitable loss of one another, um, and confronting really the timelessness of such relationships and you know, this is the person who brought me here. Yeah. How fortunate, how fortunate you are to have mm, that experience. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was profound. And and I will say even more profound because 
since you asked, the trip was six or seven hours. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> really, but I but I could say three or four years because I think that's what's so special about when used in the right way in the with their medicinal intentions. Yes. It really, it's like, uh, you don't have a, you keep learning from it. So part of the creation of this film has been like, oh, this is what that trip was about. Oh, this is what it's about. You know, I've just been unpacking and learning. And so we went back and shot a few more things. And my mom's hair is this beautiful, like, salt and pepper gray now because she just let it go over the pan, over quarantine. Yeah, yeah. So we're back at the beach and I wanted to get a few more images because my idea long term is that each year we go back and I kind of almost like a collage throw in a few more pieces because that's what the trip really was. You experience that sense of timelessness and understanding of, you know, we experience time and space in this forward moment of motion, but that it's all one and that there was just this l- deep love and understanding that, like, because of that, we will never really lose each other. Maybe just this physical form. Well, okay. This is this is really profound. Let, let me tell you. So when you were thinking, are you okay because I'm okay? And you, I heard that title, and then I read what it was about. I'm thinking, that is so freaking perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's so – and the more you speak, it's, like, so – like, I'm getting actually, like, chills on my body. It's just so perfect. And the hope is, you know, I hope I hope it does it, – it, part of what it does because a trip in, in itself, storytelling often the way we have it is, like, there's a beginning, middle, and end. There's all this conflict. But what, what psychedelics do is it relieves you of all the conflict for the most part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's not that's not your typical storytelling. No, which I had to re- learn to lean into, you know. Yes. And so part of that was also we went back and like we I found this. Um, I worked with a few editors along the way in this last editor, yes. and his uh, he helped me find uh, the guy to sound design it, Mike Bernieri and Kevin Carey, and they helped me. My mom and I basically I wanted I don't know if you're familiar with Meredith Monk or I'm Lori not. Anderson. They do a lot of like sound vocalizing. So my mom and I vocalized and did sort of a sound collage on our own. And he put it together in the soundtrack, which which just, I think it goes back to what we were saying, like, or maybe I didn't say, but I, with art, you know, I, this is my first sort of piece that I'm like, oh, this is very much mine I cre- as a director and creator um, on film. And there were just points where I'm like, I just want it to be over. Is it over yet? It feels like this is taking so long for like, what's going to be like 20 minutes. Like it took three years to make, you know? Oh, this feels like, and it's a, and it was a lot emotionally to be in and entangled with and thinking about, but I just, I'm grateful that I had friends and people were like, don't let it, you'll know, you know, you'll know. And it really took a long time to find this sound designer. I had no idea what music would sound like or what it would be. I was just like very much going into the unknown and then finally being like, oh, this is what it feels like to like what I've made and then therefore be like, okay, well, you might like yeah. it or not, yeah. but I like it. Yeah. You know, I don't think I really understand how long movies take and all the background and and all the experiences and, and adventures and thought and writing. I mean, you sound like you put your heart and soul into this. Yeah, this one, I think this especially, you know, there can be, a, they can take two days to like 10 years, but I think it's just, especially when you're 
saying, show me what you want to be, and it's sort of out of your hands, sometimes <laughs> it's longer than you. <laughs> no, that's okay. So wait a minute, maybe I missed this. So when do you think we will be able to see this masterpiece? Right. So so we just did picture lock, which means I'm, I've, I've said, okay, you know, because I could keep working on it forever. Yes. And yeah. actually, it's in like some a book. Ways, I yeah. may, I, yeah, I may go back and throw in those images as years go by, which I would like to do to keep adding. But the core is there and the sound is there. So in the next few months, I'm going to sort of be looking at, um, you know, everything's changed with what what festivals are like. You know, I think yeah. that the thing for me to meditate on is where what is the best way to get it to the audiences who are going to need it the most? Um, and certainly Ooh. I think there's a lot of grieving happening now. So yes. hopefully it can help. Yeah. Um, help, help, help someone with that. Well, it sounds like the other project you have going up is going to be that way too. the abandon all hope one. Yeah. Hopefully that one will just, you know, people are going to need to laugh. So. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> we need all that. <laughs> yeah. Laugh, cry. Yeah. I got it for you. I got it for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I need to know your favorite candy. Oh, okay. My initial reaction was like a uh, sour patch. Sour patch. And do you like candy? You know, like as oh, a yeah. kid, what was your, what was your favorite oh, candy? Yeah. As a kid, my favorite candy was I get I don't remember the name. It was like sour straws. Oh, sour straws. Yeah, yeah. I know sour patch kids. I don't know sour straws, but. Was it? No, yeah. wait, it wasn't that pixie dust that you threw in your mouth, was it? No, no? it was kind of like Sour Patch, but elongated. I just remember there was like, and they make that. I feel like they had candies that they don't make anymore. There was like a lot of those like open bagged candies that I remember yeah. like I'd go after school and like if I was good, I'd just be like, ugh. I remember just last period be like, this is what I'm going to get at the candy store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So growing up, it sounds like you had a fascinating childhood and a great education. Was there any part you could say, ooh, this this was, if I reflect back, this was my sticky wicked, the toughest part of growing up. Hmm. You know, um, I don't know about I, toughest. I think the things that have definitely from childhood that I'd say were my biggest sort of like growth spurts that pushed me forward and um, was experiencing 9-11 I could see the towers from my window. So Mm -hmm. it was very much like, and, you know, we're right over the water. And that combined with where I was just being a woman in in that period of time. And I dealt with, that's when I had, like, picked up an eating disorder that was really, has been my biggest pathway towards sort of, oddly enough, discovering myself in the post that was my big journey in recovery. And so that opened up a whole world to me once Uh I was able to confront that and grow from that. Yes. Um, But I'd say that was really much what I understand now was, you know, being in New York at that time, being a woman, you know, going after what what it meant to be a woman in this world and having all these pieces of life that felt out of my control and very much wanting to find a way to control them. I mean, I connected again to that child who was in the self-help <laughs> yeah. book section, you yeah. know, yeah. those are all sort of part of the pieces. I'm like, Oh, I was just looking for a tool. And that became my tool at the time for self-soothing because I didn't have other tools, you know, until later yes. in life. I think that a lot of young ladies go through that especially mm-hmm. if, you know, like as a dancer in the fitness field, 
a lot of people think, oh, they have it all together. But even in the fitness arena, you know, they they struggle with wanting to control you know, what they look like. And, and especially when you make your living out of what your body looks like, you can understand how, unfortunately, that can easily become an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. But yeah. I love the way that you said you look back and the way you reflect upon it, like you said, it, it, yeah, was it a challenge or was it a sticky wicked? But it helped with your growth and who you are. So you have a whole different bend on it. Yeah. Yeah. which I think is so important when you're reflecting back of why you had to go yeah. through that to expand your awareness. Yeah. And I mean, all the, being able to say that in like two or three sentences took probably, <laughs> you know, like five to seven years yeah. of recovering. <laughs> I mean, it's Just not funny, like, yes. but I know what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Your journey and your openness, and it's just an amazing story. Amazing, oh, amazing. Thank and you. I, it's such an honor to talk to you. Few things. Really quick. Ready? Favorite color? Purple. Purple. Favorite food? Sushi. What's something you can tell us about yourself that maybe people don't know? I, oh, I'm such an open book. That is the hardest question. <laughs> it could be a guilty pleasure, a show you watch, something you like to do as oh, a hobby, okay. anything. Well, my People know this, but I watched normal people like four times this summer. Okay. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> you guys don't know that. Yeah. Okay. Guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. If you were going to describe quickly one of your favorite days, what it would look like from morning to night. Ooh. Oh, okay. Favorite days. I would say morning to night, I would be, I'd wake up right now. Well, we just got a new puppy. So the puppy oh. morning kisses are actually everything. He is everything. Um, I guess I would, I mean, my favorite days are like days where I can get up and I'm like, really listen to like, what do I want to read? What do I want to maybe listen to? What do I want to watch? I'm going to go exercise and move around a bit. But honestly, my best days are when I just get to talk to my friends on the phone for hours. Mm. I I hear you. All right. When I say the word universe, what's it mean to you? Grand knowledge. Ooh. Ooh. All right, Rivka. Till next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend who you think would love it. Also, don't forget to check out Sandy on Patreon 